You are now listening to the Paper Cuts Comic Podcast with Dan the Bearded Wonder Ryan and Dean the Best Lord DeFalco. For the best comic podcast with the most personality on the web, it'll always be Paper Cuts. Over to you, Dan. Thanks, announcer guy. This is issue 50, the anti-penultimate, or anti, I don't know how exactly how you say it, penultimate issue of season one of the Paper Cuts podcast. My name is Dan Ryan. The next voice you hear will be that of Dean DeFalco. I like anti-pasta. <laughs> Who doesn't like it? It's just good. It is. I mean, on a hot summer day at a barbecue, you're like, ooh, somebody brought the anti-pasta. Yeah, exactly. That's exa- That's how I say it, too. That's how everyone says it. Yeah, it's true. And also joining us this week is Matt. Thank you very much. I like neutral pasta. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't like neutral? Wait, what is neutral? Is that like uncooked pasta? I don't know. I figure you got like pro pasta and anti pasta. (laughs) There's got to be a neutral pasta. Neutral pasta, I I would imagine, is like the tricolor pasta. You know, that way it gets everybody in there and nobody feels left out. I'm not a fan of that pasta. Really? Nah. You're a fucking crazy person. Yeah, I am. I but we've already established that. That's that that is part of my mythos. I can always taste the green. Right? Yeah, it tastes different. <laughs> I'm like, I don't I don't want to taste green. I just want to taste pasta. What well what if it's green pasta that you're tasting? That yeah, but is, is that how green tastes? Because if it is, I'm not sure <laughs> I like it. I think it's spinach based. Oh. Makes it green. Alright. Well Fair enough. Yeah. Well, on that rather ridiculous side note, first thing right out, right out of the get-go, that's what I like about this show. Like, it always starts off with the best of intentions and then ends up in a discussion about pasta right away. I think pasta started with the best of intentions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pasta, where have you gone? Oh, well, there you go. There's, uh, there's your episode focus for today. See how many pasta themed scenes were in this week's comics. There's a lot of possibilities. Oh, they're oh shit. There's your episode title. There you go. Possibilities. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so relatively uh relatively big week uh in comics this week. A lot of stuff came out, but none of it really all that exciting. No, I I had to stare for a very long time at the comic selection. Then I was just like, fuck it, I'm gonna read some old books. You guys don't get excited about stuff? Well, no. I Certainly there was, there was a couple things to get excited about, but I, this week, felt for the amount of titles that came out this week, for the amount of things I picked up this week, it was somewhat underwhelming. But we'll get to that. Dean, since you started with, uh, with some older titles, why don't you go ahead and uh, kick us off here with, uh, with your flashback to the glory days of Image Comics. Okay, all right. I I decided to read Savage Dragon number one through four, which is the first trade paperback, and it was good, man. Eric Larson in his prime, making shit happen because it was cool. Actually, really nice book. Uh, well done. I you, Image back in the day is always really interesting because... Those books are kind of like no holds barred, do whatever the fuck you want, which I mean, it still sort of is to an extent, but way more back then. Uh, this book is about a a mutant, I guess you'd call him. I don't know if he's an alien, but he's definitely a mutant. This big dude with green skin and a fin on his head. 
and he's got super power. Well, he's got super strength and super agility. That's that's about as much as we know right now. And he fights crime. He works for the police department. He after his amnesia, a lieutenant found him. Then lieutenant was like, "Come work on the police force because there's a lot of bad guys, and bad guys suck because they're killing all the police." <laughs> so he's like, "I don't want to do it." And then. And then the guy's like, okay, fine. I'll get you a job with my, my, my uncle. And then the uncle's place blows up and the dragon's like, now nah, I want to, I want to be a police officer because why not? Cops are cool. Right? So, uh, what really got me into the book is that it sort of reflects today's views on, um, what's going on in the news and stuff with, a lot of the police brutality and how police should be viewed and how we do view them and how people are more afraid of the police uh, than, you know, wanting to call them to pro- to protect themselves. So I, it gave like a, it, I, after I started reading the first, I think it was the first two issues that really focused on this a bit where it was like, you know, it's uh, the Savage Dragon guy starts on the force and he meets this really, really terrible bigot and racist, and you know he he's on probation because uh, he ended up beating up a uh, uh, an an African American guy like really, really bad. And um, I'm like that that kind of reflects where we're at today at the moment. And it was it was kind of just like an eye opener for what he said. He's like, you know, you guys should live up to. More than that, you know, uh, these people rely on us to protect them. And how are they going to rely on us if they're afraid of us? Who wants to call the police if they're afraid they're going to get the shit kicked out of them for it? And I was like, damn, that's deep. That's deep, Savage (laughs) Dragon. High five. So I high fived him in the book. And then I dropped my tablet because I slapped my tablet. Oh, dear. Not a good idea. But well, and you I mean, you bring up an interesting point there, like with Savage Dragon, a book that. I mean, the first issue of this book came out in 1992. Right. Okay. So I was 12 when this book came out. Like I was a, I was a kid, you know. And it it took place like, and I haven't read Savage Dragon in quite a while. And one of the, one of the fascinating things about this book is that Eric Larson has continued to write and draw this book every month since 1992. Like, there's a new issue that came out this month. And there will be a new issue next month. Like he just, he just doesn't stop. But the the original story takes place in Chicago. Correct. And Chicago, for any of our listeners who might be in Chicago, or anyone who has ever been to Chicago, it's a little scary. It Chicago is one of the most fabulous cities on the planet. It is my favorite city wow. on the planet. Even though I live in New York City, it is it is my favorite city, Chicago, and. What's interesting about Chicago is that right through the center of town, it it splits the north and the south. And the north side of Chicago is, you know, relatively safe for a big city and whatnot. And the south side is one of the most violent places in the country right now and has been for a very, very long time. And, you know, it's kind of a microcosm of all the things that are going on in regards to policing and whatnot that, that we see on the news today have been happening in Chicago and have been happening, therefore, in this book for quite a while. It's just kind of a really interesting thing about it. Yeah, and to be honest, it sort of ran away from that very quickly. I mean, I don't know if it touches on that again. I'm definitely going to read more of the book because 
it while it did get further away, it did get somewhat more interesting. It turned into uh I God, I don't know what the hell to equate this to. Uh something along the lines of Chu with like a super powered person. Well not uh, Tony Chu isn't really super powered, but it's got interesting characters and everything, and the villains are like absolutely insane. There was this uh one dude from the vicious circle which is like the super big mafia uh villains mm. in that book uh his name was mako can 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 you guess what he was what? a sheep no no he it it was something with sh but it was a shark and oh, uh, oh. it was very very close to sheep yeah yeah almost the same thing you know fins <laughs> gray skin uh, white fur. Man, if sharks had white fur, I might want to pet them all the time. I had my money on antelope. Oh, yeah, you know, antelopes too. Um, but yeah, Mako... Nah, uh, I, the worst is when you're at the beach and you see that, that tuft of cotton <laughs> just popping up, pop up <laughs> over the water. Yeah. It's fucking terrifying. It is. It's totally terrifying. I, you know what? That's almost like... That'd be like seeing Falcor from the never-ending story pop up under the water. <laughs> oh, no! It's a Falcor attack! <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, Everybody run. <laughs> Someone grab a tray, you. Oh, wait, we can't. He's dead. Oh. Spoilers. Oh. Well, anyway. Um, or no, it's not a tray, you fuck. It's Artax. Yes, That's Artax. That's the horse that dies in the swamp. Yeah. Anyway. He comes oh, back. Yeah. But it's Never a, ending it's okay. story jokes. Yeah. Good God. Yeah. Shout out, Jim Henson. Oh, wait, you're dead, too. <laughs> <laughs> That was mean. I gotta take that oh. out. <laughs> I'm not gonna take it out. Anyway, um, yeah, like the, the 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 enemies were like really interesting. They were like big robot type guys. This crazy half shark man. Um, you, you had like a lot of these dudes with like really intricate weapons built into them and stuff. And then you had another sort of anti-hero come in, which was the Super Patriot, I think he was called, which used to be just like a normal superhero guy, like Superman or something, except he gets this shit kicked out of him and his, like, limbs broken, and they, uh, the the public writes him off that he's never going to be able to do anything again until some big technology company swoops in and puts, like, machine parts on him and basically turns him into a cyborg. And... Like, he, he, the only reason he agreed to do this is because he wanted to get revenge on the people that took away his ability to really do anything. Because if you break your arms and legs, you're basically just a, a stump at that point. So, yeah, like, he, he gets back into it, but he can't control himself. It seems like this, this company is controlling him more than he's controlling himself. So it was, it was very interesting to see where it goes. And it all just ends before I could see where, where anything happened. And I, I was like, damn it, this book is good. Like, and for me to say that, for me to say a book was good from the 90s, eh, that takes a bit. There, There's not yeah. many books that I think were great from the 90s. There were okay books from the 90s, but not many that I really think reached the caliber that I always, like, want. So I was very interested in the book, and while it may fall off at some point, it ain't falling off now, and it must have gotten it back at some point because the dude's on, like, 200-something issues. I think somewhere around there anyway. Yeah, it's, it's it's a pretty crazy run that that he's been on. Yeah, yeah. So I I mean um I I I do want to read more of this and I mean for anyone who wants like just a cool gritty like cop book, it's it kind of goes that way a bit. Either that or Powers. Powers is really awesome too. If no one if 
someone hasn't read Powers, read fucking Powers. You're weird. But uh <laughs> <laughs> That's that's the way to get people on your side. You haven't read this book, you're weird. Exactly. You. Well, you Gross. know, because they're like, I don't want to be weird. I don't, I don't want to read the book now, but I digress. Read Savage Dragon. It's really awesome. It's got a cool story. Really, really interesting characters. And Savage Dragon is a badass, man. He's cool. He gets the ladies. He gets all the ladies. Because he saves them with machine guns and shit. Just don't watch the uh, the cartoon show. There's a Savage Dragon cartoon show? Yeah, it ran for like two years. It was on like USA or some shit. Wait, like, is it like the... Spawn bad or is it like worse than spawn because spawn was okay it wasn't bad. Sp- like the hbo yeah spawn cartoon or yeah. the movie no the hbo spawn cartoon um that, that was all right they like it from what i remember and this is a long time ago it was like 95 96 something like that when this cartoon was out um i think it was a more like kid friendly version oh fuck that man savage oh, dragon's savage a pimp dragon? you can't contain the savage dragon I... in a fucking kid show I don't know. Maybe I'll go back and try and find some on the uh, on the old intertubes. Pam, it's He's like when pimp. they tried to make a RoboCop cartoon. Oh they no! Did that, right? Yeah. Let's let's they, let's they not did even do talk that. about that. Yeah, was, that was a bad thing. idea. Yeah, it was a bad idea. It was terrible. Um, but yeah, read Savage Dragon. It's awesome. And um, the next book I read, which I don't know how I feel about it yet, was the new Transformers book. Uh, I think it was Robots in Disguise. It was called. Um, because mm-hmm. they, they always have those two, um, uh, sets, I guess they have Transformers, Robots in Disguise, and Transformers More Than Meets the Eye, which it's kind of like the song. It's funny. By the way, shout out to Splatoon. They're having a Splatfest right now and it's Autobots versus Decepticons. That's pretty cool. That's fucking awesome. I get to wear the Autobot shirt and I'm wrecking people because I play for <laughs> Optimus Prime because he's a pimp, just like Savage Dragon. Him and Savage Dragon get all the ladies all day, every day. That <laughs> robo dick up in this bitch. Whoa. Ah, I'm in a good mood. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, I was, I was reading this book, and um, oddly enough, Optimus Prime is not in this. This takes place after the events of Transformers Prime, it seems, because it's those characters that are in the book, and it's that art style. What I didn't like was that a lot of these characters had catchphrases when they wanted to do things. Like Grimlock yeah. says Dino Pile when he when he jumps on people and I I can't. I can't. It almost made me stop reading the book. But I'm trying to give it a chance because it I, I guess it's more aimed towards kids, which I don't blame IDW for because they don't have many books that are aimed towards kids. I mean, they have the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book, which props, that's not half bad. But uh, uh, well, the, the, the kids' are, Nickelodeon are book, mind you. I'm not talking about yeah. the, the adult one. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think this is definitely aimed more towards kids. A lot of the Transformer stuff is not aimed towards kids. There's a lot of death and, like, politics stuff going on, so it's never easy to follow, and I can't imagine a kid trying to read those books. So maybe this is for... Excuse me. Oof. Sorry. Beer. Um, for younger readers. This early? No, well, uh, last night. Still, uh, still coming up a little bit. Seems, um, uh, seems a little early to be drinking. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm, what, not, I'm not judging. It's my birthday. I'll do what I want. Oh, is it? That's yes. right. Yeah. It, it is my birthday. Today? Yes. 
Happy birthday. Son of a bitch. Happy birthday, Dean. Thank you. Fuck, I didn't even know. It's okay. Regardless, um, I'm not too sure how I feel about this book because while it starts off with, you know, Bumblebee and his team, I'm cool with Bumblebee and all, don't get me wrong, but it's it's Bumblebee. Like, I don't know how excited I could get for Bumblebee. I've never been a Bumblebee fan. Yeah, exactly. Like, like the Transformer, the Tuna, the actual <laughs> bee. <laughs> yeah, not no. a fan of any of it. Fuck like the, the only one bee. I liked was like the little kid who was in that Blind Melon song. Yeah, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about, so I'm just no, going to disregard right. that. Just Google Blind Melon, uh, No Rain. Okay. I'll, I'll do that. But not right now, because we are on a podcast. So Well, yeah, I mean, that would be ridiculous if we just like, we'll be back. <laughs> you know, and then took a break. That would be silly. Well, we do it on the Stone Age Gamer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Fuck but that this show. show. This show's better. Stone Age Gamer sucks. All right. Um, Listen to paper cuts. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was, I, I don't know, man. He's, he's okay. They're trying to make him into like a leader, and I don't think Bumblebee's much of a leader. I don't. Uh, you know, they probably could have just had Ultra Magnus, and that would have been cool. Because Ultra Magnus, again, pimp. Robo dick, but I digress. It's Bumblebee. Ultra Robo dick. Yeah, exactly. Ultra Robo dick. You can't go wrong with that. But yeah, I don't know. Like he's just he's kind of like not authoritative enough to be like what Optimus is, and he's all like, "I wish Optimus was here. Optimus is better than me." And I'm like, "You're right, Bumblebee. Optimus is better than you. You suck. Get out of this book." You're the worst. What's interesting though is that. Optimus's team shows up from like the prime days and they're they come in and of course it's Sans Bumblebee because he has his own team and they're all like so there's a bad guy that we need to capture and we need your help so Bumblebee's like I don't know what y'all are doing here but okay I guess that's all right and then when they finally capture the dude and Bumblebee's like all right we're gonna take him in Optimus's team gets all secretive and they're like no no we got this we can't tell you why we got this, but we got this, and they take him away, and that's the end of the book. And that's what got me. That's sort of what hooked me in. I was like, "What? What's going on? Are they, are they not doing something that's not kosher?" I'm, I'm all right. I'll give this one more issue. I'll see what it is. Again, probably meant more for kids. I don't like Grimlock's design, and I don't know anything about the backstory right now, which sort of bothers me because they said a prison ship crashed on the planet. Um, obviously something happened between Bumblebee and Optimus because they're not on the same, uh, team anymore. Same, like, uh, outfit, I would say, because they're, they're still Autobots, but there's different, um, uh, outfits of Autobots that, like, help in the universe, and Bumblebee's got his own outfit now. So, uh, it's, it's interesting a little bit, but... I don't know if I could get past a lot of the the sillier things in the book, but we'll see. I, I'm going to give it one or two more issues. Again, I, if you're into Transformers and you want something a bit lighter on a lot of the, the politics stuff, this is probably the book that I would say would get as close as possible um, because it leaves all the fat out. Like, it's basically just, we're going to find a Decepticon. We found a Decepticon. We're going to blow him up. That's the end of the book. So <laughs> There you go. Exactly. Like, it's it's meant for a younger audience or someone who doesn't want a lot of that busyness in the 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 Transformers uh, universe, 
which I'm not going to lie, there's a lot of. If you ever read the regular uh, series, God, it's just full of, like, uh, like Mythology. Yeah, and it's hard to follow. It's, like, a lot of it contradicts itself. It is. Well, and I was going to suggest that if you're looking for a Transformers book to read, the the other book that IDW is publishing, the other Transformers book that they have out, uh, just recently finished up its big Combiner Wars storyline, which I fucking loved. I thought it was awesome because I one of the coolest things, I mean, as a kid growing up in the 80s watching the Transformers, when the Constructicons... That shit was crazy. ...got together and formed an even bigger robot and formed Devastator. It was like, or, or uh, Bruticus. It was like, holy fucking shit. This is amazing. Right? Like this is, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And then they kind of went like a little ridiculous with it because there was Bruticus and then Devastator and Menacer and Superion. And now there's a new one that is all female robots called Victorian. And it was like, oh, all right, maybe we're pushing Maybe we're pushing this idea a little further than it needs to go, but it was still, like, it's fucking cool. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you're into transforming robots, it's robots that then combine into an even bigger robot, and it's just kind of cool. And the, the storyline was really well done, but you're right. There is so much mythology around the Transformers because, like, all of it is canon for the most part. Like, Generation 1 stuff, when Optimus Prime was a truck... And then Beast Wars, when he was a monkey. and like, Oh, yeah, you know, and just... trying to connect those two universes is next to near impossible. Like, yeah, it takes place nuts. in the future, but it's in the past, but it's still in the future, but it's in the past. So, Which actually means it's just next Tuesday. Yeah, pretty much. Like, it's, it's fucking weird. I, we, we can't talk about that. It would take way too long. That We'd need a whole episode. So I'm done. Transformers. Read it if you want something a little lighter from IDW. It's, it's at, at least right now okay. It might get better. So, um, Dan, on to the next one. All right. Matt, as our special guest on this episode, you yes. get to go second. Oh, I don't know what that I don't know what that means. Second but. is the best, and then Dan, you have a hairy chest. And then I do. I said, well, you know, real man style. Anyway, Matt, what did you read this week? Alright. Um I read a bunch of things, but I'm going to talk to you about two. One is uh Ghostbusters Get Real by IDW. And um I love Ghostbusters. And I have ever since I was a little kid. And uh, so you're just uh, muttering about being excited for things at the beginning of the episode. And I'm always excited when there's a Ghostbusters book coming out. And um, it was uh, it was a bit rough uh, when uh, there was a great Ghostbusters series just called uh, Ghostbusters. And then it ended. And it was really disappointing. And then they came back with uh, with Ghostbusters Get Real. And, um, it's been going for three issues. I picked up the third issue this week. And it's just, it's more really good stuff. The people that are writing these books really, uh, pay a lot of attention to details. And, uh, they throw in little things like Easter eggs for the, for, uh, real Ghostbusters fans. And, uh, there's always just, it's crammed full of stuff to see. 
and it's uh, really, really enjoyable. This is the uh, <clears throat> this is the book where the Ghostbusters from the movie universe are meeting the real Ghostbusters from the cartoon show, right? I'm pretty sure that's right. I'm not. I think maybe the the comic Ghostbusters are kind of their own Ghostbusters, but they okay. might be the ones from the the movie universe. I'm a little unclear. Wait, what's what's okay. happening? I don't. <laughs> well, they're um the for this story, and I guess for the the canon of the comic series, they're choosing to treat all iterations of Ghostbusters, like the movie Ghostbusters, and their own comic Ghostbusters, and every other comic series of Ghostbusters, and then each of the cartoon series, and even the uh, the unrelated one with the monkey and the car. Wait, has the monkey in the car shown up? They did show up, I think, bitch. last issue, just in a bubble, because they did an overview of the Ghostbusters multiverse, and they included them. There's a Ghostbusters awesome. multiverse. Holy shit. Wow. Well, <laughs> they they wrote it that way. It's it's really exciting. Um, and uh, this this takes the, the real Ghostbusters from the, the cartoon, the real Ghostbusters, and transplants them into the comic Ghostbusters universe. Uh, there's a there's a there's a god called Proteus, who's decided he's really worried about being captured, so he <laughs> takes a proactive approach, and just knocks the Ghostbusters out of his universe, which uh, shifts them into the the comic Ghostbusters universe, and then they're trying to solve what's going on. And, um, you know, who they have to capture and how they have to get these Ghostbusters back into their proper universe. It's just really fun to see uh, two, obviously, similar but very different Ghostbusters. They're uh, uh, teams, that is. And they're rendered, like, the cartoon Ghostbusters are rendered exactly like they are in the cartoon, whereas the comic Ghostbusters still are in a completely different style. So it's funny to see them uh, contrast with each other, but also act as though they're just seeing something completely normal, just different, even though to the reader they appear completely different. I think that's happened before. Um, I don't know if it was a Ghostbusters book, but it was some sort of IDW book. I think they've done that before where they've they've sort of done two different generations or or iterations yeah, iterations of characters and different and their respective styles to keep them you know looking less like each other which i i think is a really cool approach to doing that and i mean that definitely gives you a dividing area of like why they're different or how um visually it's it's fantastic and i love it well and this is the the real ghostbusters cartoon this is that's the one with where egon was blonde yeah, and he has the and, corkscrew of hair on his head. Yeah, and, the the little curly Q corkscrew thing coming up, and then Slimer Venkman. Yeah, Venkman was voiced by the voice of Garfield on the cartoon show, and then Bill Murray, who played Peter Venkman in the movie, went on to voice Garfield in the Garfield movies. That's some meta really? ass shit. Yeah, yeah, that's some weird shit. Yeah, like I never realized it. It just, my wife mentioned it one day, like, the the real Ghostbusters cartoon, like, happened to pop up on YouTube, and she was like, you know that's Garfield's voice, right? And I was like, 
well, fuck, this is ruined now. Because now every time I see that, all I can think about is, like, Peter Venkman wanting lasagna and being really pissed off at Odie. And I can't, like, it just, it fucking trips me up. But, yeah, it's just kind of a weird circle of life thing where, where the guy who voiced Garfield is Venkman, and Venkman is Garfield. It's kind of like a really fucked up version of Ace Ventura. Finkel is Ironhorn, you know? Ironhorn is Finkel, Finkel is I. Oh, my God. That, that is definitely the title for today. It, it, is, it is Garfield is Venkman. Venkman is Garfield. I like it. It's happening. I'm doing it. Done. Nice. Well, that's awesome. That, like, I've, I've seen that book, the last couple of issues that have come out, and my curiosity has been piqued each time. Not enough to pick it up yet, but... If you're saying it's good, Matt, I oh, will. Oh, it's, it's real good. Does it get I will the, take your recommendation. It gets the Matt Much seal of approval. Oh, yes. A much coveted seal of approval. Oh, see what you did there? That was funny. I like it. Much coveted seal of approval. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I like it. Well done. What else you got for us, Matt? Oh, right. Um, I also have been reading a series from Image called Low. It's an interesting book. The plot is it's in kind of the. I don't think it's near future. I'm not sure if it's considered far future. It's in the future where the slowly expanding sun has melted all the ice caps and there's a lot more ocean on the planet. And uh, due to radiation, people are living at the bottom of the ocean, but it's pretty much the end of the world. It's not like a post-apocalyptic book. It's kind of just a pre-apocalyptic book. Where everything's about to be incredibly bad. It's just pretty bad right now. Shit is about to come off the rails. Let's go underwater. Exactly. I mean, Fair enough. the rails are incredibly loose. We're about to be off of the rails. <laughs> and um, it revolves around a family um, where it's, um, it's a pretty conventional family structure. It's got a, a man and a woman. They have a bunch of kids. Uh, three kids. I get a little confused, and I don't want that to seem like I actually don't like the book, because I like it a lot. I just get a little confused with names and things. So the, the woman of the family is basically the last scientist in the entire world that has any hope that there is salvation for humanity. And um, she's continuing to monitor space probes that they sent out to find... Uh, potentially habitable planets. Um, but they've been gone so long, probably generations, I think, that nobody believes they're ever going to come back. There's just no habitable planets that humans can reach. And this is pretty much it. What I can tell you for sure is that uh, the, the world is a pretty bad place in this book. Um, but the, uh, the way it's depicted is fantastic. I really like the art style. Um, it's almost got, they almost added kind of a swimmy quality to it because everybody's underwater. They're in domes and stuff, so there's, it's not like they're living in the water, but it's almost got a quality like if you're looking through like a snow globe or something, it's just a little distorted and a little um, rounded and swimmy, which um, helps a lot subtly to the the appearance of the world and just putting you in that space and there's just something about the whole thing where they don't do exposition dumps ever like uh like many comics will when they're just trying to 
get you established, but somehow the the writers, I guess with the artists, have just really fleshed out the world by showing it to you and not just telling you about it. And it's just, uh, I just find it to be a really immersive book. Well, I mean, I mean this is Rick Remender, so... I That's have, true. I have he's, no doubt He's that... known for doing this. Yeah, uh, he he definitely can certainly do stuff like that. You know, he's a fantastic writer, and I, I don't need to shout his praises because he's Rick Remender. I, I, you say that name, and comic book people know who you're talking about. So I should have said that name. I... <laughs> Not a big deal. You you were busy describing the book. So, yeah, um, I, I was interested in this book when it first came out, but I was like, ah, fuck it. Uh, there's other stuff to read, you know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting you bring it up because it did sound like a cool book. And, I mean, is is this a ongoing or is this like a miniseries? No, it's, it's ongoing. They said they were taking a break, and then I don't even know if they took the break because I kept getting the book. I'm like, what happened? But that's okay. <laughs> They said, fuck I it, th- I think it's an, an ongoing as much as every image book is an ongoing of like, I'll do this till I'm done. Yeah, I think that's you know, about the then... way most image books work besides Spawn. Oh, God, Spawn should have been done a long, long time ago. It could have been because they killed Al, and then they're like, nope, I'm going to keep going. Nope, new Spawn, <laughs> all new stories. But isn't Al back now? Yeah, like, dude. Is he? Yeah, I I th- it's like three or four issues, and I haven't read it since the the first one we talked about. But I don't know. He has like a sword now. Swords are cool, right? <laughs> he's Swords got are. A- they're cool. It's spawn, and he's got a sword. Sword. S words for five hundred, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> oh, the I don't know much ear. about spawn, but he doesn't usually have a sword, does he? No, no. That's why, I, like, it was weird. Like it, it was, it was super weird. Um, I. Just real quick, uh, he's like in hell and or I don't. He's like in nothingness. I think he's like in purgatory or whatever. He's just hanging out in darkness, and he's very happy doing that because I guess his time on Earth as Spawn wasn't too great. So he's just hanging out, and wasn't it like a dog or something, Dan, that comes up to him? I th- uh, like a god in dog. Like in issue two hundred or something like that. Yeah. yeah, it's like the a a dog. That is actually God. And he he's like, listen, you got to get back in it, Al. You got to do it. Here's a sword. Your wife's in trouble with the baby. Help. And, Go fuck shit up. And that's literally how the book goes. Like, it's it's basically like, new spawn's gone. We want old spawn. And he says no a few times. And he's like, well, okay, I guess. Sure, why not? It's a legitimate plot device. Yeah, you know, whatever. He's got a sword now. It's Everything's God better. Dog. Yeah, you know, because you know, it's backwards and forwards. Oh. Mm. Oh, shit. Yeah. I didn't even, fuck <laughs> you, Dan. I didn't even realize that. That's fantastic. I love it. It's, it's, you know, old Todd McFarlane. Stick to uh, stick to making toys there, Todd. No, stop it's good. The, uh, stop so much with the uh, the writing and the talking. Yeah, well. Where it all falls down for him. Yeah, because he, he just... was back on for this book, I think. Uh, yeah. For, for yeah. this one issue. But, yeah, uh, he's not good at it. No, He's, 90s, it was a different time, but uh, whatever, man. Well, and, you know. and like that calls back to, to you reading Savage Dragon. Like, Savage Dragon is still being published, and, and it's awesome. And Spawn is still being published, and it's like, well, that's just because Todd McFarlane is an obstinate prick, from what I understand. He, yeah, like, he's every kind other of image book, like, there's no 
wet works. There's no cyber force. Where, where's my ongoing. young bloods at? Oh, cyber force. I love cyber force. Cyber force was was awesome back in the day, and now you look at it and you're like, oh shit! I I, I, I forgot to mention the Savage Dragon book was tie-ins a plenty. They mentioned Young Bloods. There's a fight between uh, one of the guys from Young Bloods. They mentioned the Cyber Force dudes. Spawn oh. shows up for like a minute and a half. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Oh yeah, that that whole like when they started, that was that was a new universe and everything was together and they were just doing like they had quit Marvel and went on to do that same thing again where it was just like a big interconnected universe and like fucking Chapel from Youngbloods ties directly to Spawn. I forget, he might have been the one that killed Al Simmons in combat originally or some shit. I think you're... Sort of right there, actually, yeah. It's weird. It's Trying to remember shit that 13-year-old me knew is uh, a fucking dodgy press. Let's not go back to the 90s. We don't need those cargo shorts. Fuck you. Cargo shorts. Where else am I supposed to put all my shit? I don't know. (laughs) Two pockets. I got more shit than that. (laughs) I want to go back to the 90s for 90s cyber force. (laughs) Fucking cyber force and wetworks and wildcats and... Shadowhawk. And some Sony Walkmans. God sure. damn it. Bring me back my mini discs. Oh, Sony. God. Okay. Uh, bastard. So, uh, so Matt. Uh... <laughs> so, <laughs> so low. Excellent book. It's Rick Remender. You know, like we said, Rick Remender fucking does work, man. That guy's awesome. He's... If you see his name on a book, buy it. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. But if you see his dick on a book, run away. Run far <laughs> buy, away. Buy two. <laughs> His signings because... are really weird. <laughs> he just Very dips sticky. his dick in ink and smears it on. <laughs> oh, that's a signature. Man, that that took a turn in a hurry. I can't. I can't help. It's like it's his fountain pen, literally. Oh, oh wow. no. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> is, that, is that gonna be your new pickup line? You want to see my fountain pen? <laughs> Walk up to a lady in a bar and be like, hey, do you have any documents you need me to sign with my fountain pen? You ready to get inked? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, gross. There's so many catchphrases in this uh, in this episode. Gross. Yeah, fucking catchphrases aplenty. All right, episode di- title, w- Pen Dick. P- pen Dick, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. All right, uh, Dan, we've... Uh, I don't even we- know how I follow Pen Dick. Uh, I, I just... Don't, uh, but we've each allotted <laughs> ourselves almost 20 minutes apiece. Round us out, sir. All right. Well, uh, since we uh, since we have to retcon Evan's existence, um, he... to win, then retcon it again in the future um, when he comes back from the dead in a triumphant return and saves our lives, uh, I have taken over the uh, honor is not the word I'm looking for. Uh not that it's as bad as convergence, but uh, or fucking anywhere close to convergence, quite honestly. Um, but I have have taken up the mantle of Secret Wars. So this week I read uh, everything Secret Wars, uh, minus the Ant Man book, because that takes place like before Secret Wars. They're doing it. It's kind of an interesting thing that they've done, where they're like, "All right, look, we started this event, and some of these books weren't finished." 
So now we're going to tell you about their last like three to four days before the Secret Wars thing started. And that's where um, Ant-Man was. And I started reading it like Thursday or something when I when I got the books. And I don't know, the slug was in it. And he's just a fucking weird character. And like he was sitting on Ant-Man. And I was like, all right, I'll come back to this later. And just never got to it. But uh, I read the rest of them. And one additional book that I'll get to at the end. But the uh, the first one... I'm just going to go in alphabetical order, was uh, Captain Britain and the Mighty Defenders by uh, Al Ewing is the writer on this book. And this one has taken place where, like, I wish there was a different way to put it, right? But Al Ewing uh, wrote The Black Avengers, okay? And I wish there was a different way to put it because it the book should have been something more, like with the collection of characters that they had, and the stories that they could tell, there was something interesting there, but it ended up being like, hey, everybody on this Avengers team is black, and that was like the whole focus of the book. And that was unfortunate. That It was cheap. It should have been better, but that is what we get here in this book as well. It is uh, Mondo City, which is being ruled by big boss Maria Hill, who is a Punisher and a Thor, in this book, she's got a hammer in the Punisher skull on her uh, costume. What is with these Whoa. mixtures of characters? Well, it's it's just the whole the whole nature of the event of things getting kind of smashed uh, together. Y- you know, you're going to end up with this, and and unfortunately for a lot of these books, they don't give a lot of explanation or backstory to it. You you're kind of just expected to jump in and say, okay, it's an amalgamation of this and that and this other thing over here, and we're going, and just kind of accepting the premise as as fact. So, yeah. you know, doing that, here you go. You've got Maria Hill against, uh, with Mondo City and Yinsen City. Um, I don't know if that has any relevance, quite honestly. I don't know what Yinsen City is, but they are... Um, they're rounding up all these prisoners from Yinsen City. Uh, they threaten them with deploying the war machine, which is a big tank with a lot of guns that uh, that talks a lot of shit, which was sort of funny. The um, tank talks? Yeah, the tank talks. It's like, he, he's like, look at my guns. I got a fuck ton of guns and I'll shoot you in the face. You fucking talk shit to me. That's an angry tank, bro. It's incredible Nasty. dialogue. Yeah, like, it really was. Like, the dialogue is just riveting shakespearean even look at my guns i'll squish you because i have my tank um there not much happens in this book like i'm not really sure why i read it the uh or what the purpose of this this issue was like it, it wasn't a great issue to be honest with you um the defenders team is made up of uh of she hulk uh kid rescue uh the white tiger and spider hero who is the i think in this universe he's the son of the prowler and spider woman i think i could be wrong i don't know uh they're in the plan they're in the prison and they're gonna break out and uh luke cage is one of the punishers uh trying to get information out of them uh fucking captain britain is a doctor, she's a, a Middle Eastern woman um, who holds Excalibur, and she is just, like, 
talking to Cage and saying that, you know, like, I just, I want to heal people and whatever. And uh, she gets her sword and they fight. And that's really about all that happens. There's a little bit of a fight. The defenders win. They smash the tank. The tank is very upset. Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Walters, as She-Hulk says, uh, says something to the effect of, like, uh, be nice to the tank. I think I hurt its feelings. And God Doom shows up at the end talking to Captain Britain, uh, saying, you know, like, this is my world again. Like, you know, I, even all the, like, this was an experiment. I, I put these people together to see if maybe I could relax my control a little bit and divert my attention uh, to something else, you know. And also, uh, you fuckers needed to think you were fighting against something because I am such a badass that you have no shot of fighting against me, but I'm going to give you that little bit of hope anyway. And that was about it. It was, uh, it was a pretty pointless book. You could, uh, you could fully skip that one. I don't, there was nothing really in there. Uh, even taking it out of the Secret Wars tie-in, of which it really didn't have much, just as a single issue of a series, it kind of failed on multiple fronts as far as doing anything meaningful. Uh, the next book in the lineup this week was Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps, which was really good, actually. This one... Uh, is being written by Kelly Sue DeConnick and Kelly Thompson. So part of the team that was on the Captain Marvel book that was so, so good for so long coming out of Marvel. In this version, uh, Captain Marvel or Carol, Carol Danvers is the leader of a squad of fighter pilots, the Banshees, and they are doing their best to figure out what the hell is really going on. They are going rogue from their squad the the leader of their their squad uh is up to some some shenanigans that we don't fully get uh information on for this uh for the purposes of this issue but she's freaking out that Carol and her team the these the banshees have gone have gone rogue she scrambles a bunch of people up to get them and we get a lot of really nice battle scenes like the artwork in this book was done by david lopez who's a really solid fucking artist and this this book goes from kind of some some planning in the beginning of we should break out we should make a break for it we should sneak we've got to do it tonight blah 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 to dog fighting like it becomes a little bit like the rocketeer or like that that sort of aesthetic if you've seen the rocketeer uh film it's the the Carol Core stuff has sort of that same aesthetic to it. It's a it's a really good looking book. The dog fighting was really cool. Um, again, this doesn't do a ton to advance the overall plot, but it seems like what is coming in this in this series because I don't think this this one's not over yet. It's got a couple more issues to go. It seems like we're about to get something really good because as Carol and her team get away from from the uh the government really the a bunch of thors show up on this island that they've crash landed on and that's where where the book ends so next issue is going to be Captain Marvel uh beating the shit out of a bunch of thors which is always a good time sweet 
Civil War number three, and I know uh, Matt, you read this one as well. Yes, I've really enjoyed the Civil War miniseries so far. Um, I really enjoyed Civil War when it came out originally. I thought it was a very cool idea. This miniseries has taken that idea and flipped it a little bit, but the the team that's on this book, uh, Charles Soule and Lennel Francis Yu, those guys are are seriously talented, and I. The only gripes that I really have with this book are the artwork every now and again. Uh, you has a tendency to get a little muddy in his storytelling. It's not always the most clear. He does a really great job with big action scenes and and big set pieces and you know everything that's big. Uh, Leno Francis you does really, really well. The smaller, more character-driven moments are, are, they can be hit or miss. He can do them. He's just not anywhere near as consistent, as consistently good as he is with the big action pieces. What, what this book has been dealing with has been the, the assassination of, of the, the lady who was bringing together Steve Rogers and uh, Tony Stark for a meeting. She was killed by somebody shooting from Captain America's side. Iron Man has decided to send in uh, She-Hulk again, but a different version of She-Hulk than we talked about earlier because there are multiple iterations of the characters running around, has sent her in to the blue Captain America's side to figure out what the hell is going on. Uh, She gets a mind scan from a very, uh, she says, weak and old-looking Charles Xavier. Uh, It's very clear in one of the panels where where you does a smaller moment really well, it's very clear that Xavier knows that something is going on, that he knows who she is, and that she is not just a lawyer coming to see a client, but that she is in fact here for Tony Stark. But he lets her in anyway. Um, there's some really nice moments in here where uh, Speedball, who is part of the team that originally caused Civil War, like in the original event, the New Warriors. Uh, did some really fucking just rookie level shit and ended up killing like a whole town. Uh, here he is part of the Punishers, the police force on Captain America's side, and he's all grizzled in 90s. It's a very 90s themed week. He's got a beard and some pouches and shit and long hair because beards are for men, and that's how that works. But we, we get a scene of... of Captain America's team going over to Tony's side to get the pieces that they need to develop this weapon called the Bell Curve. And what the Bell Curve is going to do is it is going to take away people's powers. So they are fighting dirty and fighting desperately, which is not necessarily something you would think of from Captain America's side. But what I thought was the coolest part of this book was the interaction as the as Captain America's team is trying to steal the parts that they need they come across uh, King Ock. And what King Ock was, was Wilson Fisk, the kingpin, decided that he wanted Dr. Octopus's arms. So he killed Dr. Octopus, ripped his arms off Dr. Octopus, and fused them to himself. As he fused them to himself, apparently he did not know that, storyline-wise, Doc Ock's arms are sentient, they think, they have emotions. They were attached to Mr. Octavius. 
and they did not like Wilson Fisk, so they killed him. They fried, they like, they basically fried his brain. And now the arms are using Fisk as a host to do a bunch of shit. That's weird. Super gross. Super gross. Super weird. They are building weapons for Tony Stark. Like, Stark has let them live, which is what they want. Um, but in exchange for living, they have to build weapons. And it's just a, like... It was an awesome couple of panels. Like this part was just really cool to see to see Fisk's lifeless body being hefted around by these arms as they're fighting Spider-Man and Venom and Black Panther and uh, and or well and Venom is Hawkeye, which there's a really cool scene. They end up, you know, spoilers. They end up killing King Ock because Venom as Hawkeye takes Elektra, uh, who was killed last issue. She was using Daredevil's billy clubs as a weapon. Venom picks up the, the billy club and shoots Kingpin through the face with it like an arrow, but the bow that he makes comes out of the symbiote material that makes up his costume. This, is just, this is just fucking bananas. Like, these, this these is books a, are... Fu- ugh. This book is crazy. Like, I, Matt, what did you think about this one? Oh, I thought it was fantastic. This is crazy, but this is good crazy. And, yeah, uh, right? Like, it, it, it all kind of works. That's that's a good way to put it. It just works, whereas a lot of the time you can go crazy and you can tell stories, but they don't work. But this time, works. It's just that simple. It really is. And, like, the book, the book ends with... Uh, she-Hulk finds Bullseye. Bullseye is the one that they think uh, assassinated this lady. Uh, She-Hulk gets taken prisoner, though, and we see at the very end of the book, Bullseye is standing with uh, T'Challa, who is supposed to be dead in this version, or, or in this piece of the battle world. T'Challa is supposed to be dead, but here he is standing next to Bullseye, and to be continued. It's a dope book. Like, Civil War is one of the best times like even taking it again out of the secret wars universe and just having it be a book that exists it's a really good book like i suggest everybody pick that one up uh the next book was deadpool's secret secret wars uh which has been really fun this was the conclusion of this four issue little series this was okay so secret wars is a thing that's happening now Secret War was a thing that happened in the early 2000s, and Secret Wars 1 and 2 happened in the 80s. And the 80s version of the Secret Wars stuff is when the Beyonder pulled all the uh, heroes and villains from Earth, put them on Battleworld, made them fight it out uh, for supreme victory of whatever the fuck they were trying to do at that time. I'm not going to lie, that was, that was not a great book. <laughs> No, it was terrible. It was, it was bad. Uh, but it did give us Spider-Man's black costume and Venom, so, you know, there, there's that. But Deadpool, as a character, was not created yet. However, this book, Deadpool's Secret Secret Wars, tells the story of Deadpool being involved in the original 1980s Secret Wars event and why nobody remembers that he was there. And pretty much what it boils down to is he got a wish while he was there to be a handsome man 
and uh, he looks very much like if you took Tom Selleck from Magnum P.I., like the very sexy mustachioed man, and crossed him with the the perfectly coiffed uh, Fabio, the blonde hair, that's what Deadpool looks like in this book. He looks like a really bad 80s romance novel cover. Oh, fantastic. It's, it's fucking terrible. That's a terrible. handsome man. I mean, it really is. Like, I, I questioned a lot of things reading this book. Um, but uh, it, it's... He's a handsome man. He's involved in the Secret Wars. Uh, he falls in love with this alien girl. She ends up giving her life to save everybody and bring a bunch of people back to life. And that really upsets Deadpool. In the process of her doing that, uh, his life force is also drained a little bit. So he goes back to looking like fucked up Wade Wilson. Um he was having a fling with the wasp during this storyline. And, uh, she is now repulsed by him because he no longer looks like sexy Tom Selleck, Fabio kind of thing, but looks back like gross Deadpool does. And at the end of secret wars, the characters were kind of given some sort of like wish fulfillment bullshit. It, it was a really poor ending to the story back in the day. And they kind of just use it to comedic effect here of, the wasp wanted to forget that she had ever loved Deadpool. So in doing so, everybody who was involved in secret wars originally forgot that Deadpool was there. And that's how they explained it. It was cute. It was funny. Like it's a lot of, it's a lot of very Deadpool-y kind of things. And if you're a Deadpool fan, get the book. If you're not a Deadpool fan, there wasn't anything in there for you. You don't need to read it. It doesn't advance the story at all. But it was fun nonetheless. The art was good. The writing was good. You know, it's got the the fourth wall breaking Deadpool shit that happens. Um, next one was E is for Extinction, number three. This goes back to the Grant Morrison. Um, who the fuck is the artist that works with Grant Morrison all the time? Frank Quietly. Satan. There we go. Thank you. Uh, yes, yeah, Satan. Uh, it's the Grant Morrison, Frank Quietly really weird version of the X-Men where like it was like yay Grant Morrison's gonna write the X-Men why the fuck are all the X-Men so weird looking holy shit this is why is there a blob with eyes and I can see his intestines why is there a brain floating around what the fuck is like it's all of those characters uh there there's a big fight uh there's a phoenix egg Cyclops is leading a team of Emma and Wolverine and Beast and the Stepford Cuckoos and a bunch of the other like really weird X-Men show up like Beak. Uh, if you remember Beak, he and Angel at the time had like a bunch of kids and they're trying to save their kids and they're fighting this uh, this alternate alternate version of the X-Men that are being led by sort of Dark Beast, but they seem to be just a lot of different iterations of Beast from multiple universes. Turns out that they are that all the evil beasts are being controlled by a virus. This uh, is the type of shit they need to retcon out. This is this is where uh, no stop it. Yeah, this this was was weird. Like they're they're fighting to try and get control of a phoenix egg. Uh, good beast ends up getting taken over by the virus and killing one of the Stepford cuckoos. Uh, because I think there's three left in the in what was main continuity now. There was five originally. Uh, Beast eats one of them. And uh, so that's terrible. And he feels real bad about it. 
uh, the Phoenix egg hatches, and it turns out that it is, uh, um, oh, well, sorry, they, they're fighting, and the leader of the Dark Beasts gets killed by Charles Xavier, who comes back in Quentin Quire's body, like, fucking, just weird shit. Uh, he comes back in his body, he kills that beast, uh, another beast steps up and is like, no, you can't kill us, we're a virus, these are all my soldiers, and Xavier, in sort of a badass moment, is like, look, you are a virus, you are inferior, I am the most powerful telepathic mind on the planet, you are the common cold, you have been cured, is what he says, which was kind of a badass moment, um, as soon as they do that, though, all the beasts die, and the phoenix egg hatches, and, oh, look, it's Dark Phoenix, and she is being possessed by Cassandra Nova, who is uh, Charles Xavier's evil twin sister. It, I have my issues with Grant Morrison at the best of times. He's done some stuff that I really liked. His X-Men stuff needs to go away. It was, it was just weird. Like, I don't know. Did you guys read his X-Men stuff? Morrison? Yeah, that was uh, like name. two years ago that happened. Oh no, that was like ten. Years oh ago. no, I didn't read that. I no, 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 definitely not. When Grant Morrison took over the X Men, they all went to wearing like leather pants, and they lost all the fun costumes, and it was all just. I am not a fan of Frank Quietly's artwork. I'm sure he's a lovely person, but I think he draws really ugly shit. Yes, um, I just don't like looking at it. All of the X-Men books looked really bad at that time, in my opinion. Uh, it was just weird. It ne- uh, Again, in my opinion, I just didn't like it. I don't think it advanced the storyline. I think it caused more problems than it, than it solved, and it should go away. A uh, couple more books here. Hank Johnson, Agent of Hydra, was uh, my favorite book of the week, actually, from the Secret Wars stuff. It just tells the life of a, of a Hydra agent who has a wife and kids. And he goes home from work and he's like, fucking, like, are you listening to me? Nick Fury came in today, punched me in the face, and shot Jerry. We have to go to Jerry's funeral tomorrow. Like, Nick Fury shot Jerry. And it's just the the story of what a mindless, you know, like, it's just a job. He's not a supervillain. He, he just has a job. He gets a promotion to, uh, to helping out uh, the Viper. She sexually harasses him throughout, like, the entire book. Like, she drops her pens, and she's like, oh, I've dropped my pens. Would you pick those up for me? <laughs> like, <laughs> he bends over to pick up the pens, and she's like, ooh, look at that. Like, just ridiculous shit. And he's like, all right, I've picked up your pens now. I'm going to go do something else. And, like, walks off. And it's just it's just silly and kind of tongue-in-cheek. And one of those things, much like last week, that the Howard the Human book, where Marvel takes these kind of little moments of levity in this sort of dark, over, overly oppressive crossover that they have. But Hank Johnson, Agent of Hydra, very funny book. Pick it up. It doesn't do anything to advance the storyline, but it was just a really good comic. House of M number one is the latest book to be published, calling back to an old event. House of M was a mixed bag when it originally came out. It did some cool things, but it also gave Luke Cage cornrows, which was not a good idea. It's uh, it it's just continuing on with that story. There is, uh, 
Magneto is in charge. The mutants are in charge. The humans are now the minority. They are being hunted by Sentinels. Uh, the House of M is ruled by King Magnus and his daughter and son. Well, his daughters, uh, Polaris and Scarlet Witch, and his son Quicksilver are kind of in charge of shit. Quicksilver, basically the bulk of this issue is setting up Quicksilver and Namor, Namor are working together to possibly overthrow his father. Uh, the book ends with the two of them standing together saying, you know, Magneto has no idea what's coming. Was pretty much it. There's a lot of story, a lot of pages to, uh, to get to that point. A good book. I think this will be a decent series by the time it all wraps up. I think it's only like four issues. But, uh, but again, if you weren't a fan of House of M, I would wait another issue or two, see how good this gets. We'll we'll check back in with it. Modoc Assassin number four. I fucking love this book. The Modoc Assassin book is awesome because it's it's Modoc. He sucks, right? Like Modoc is terrible. He's yes. a giant head with stubby little legs and see, like he can't fucking do anything. Modoc is the worst. Yet he thinks that he is the baddest motherfucker that there has ever lived, and his dialogue throughout. All of these four issues have been amazing. This one is focused primarily on Modoc and Angela, formerly of the Spawn universe, uh, then legally exonerated from Todd McFarlane over to Neil Gaiman, and then sold, I think, to Marvel Comics. So now she is in these events as well. Angela is one of the Thors. Modoc is in love with her. He wants to impress her. And uh, it, it's just like, it's just shit where like, they're fighting the mindless ones that are being controlled by Baron Mordo and Clea. And Modoc is like, lesser people would be scared of this oppressive army. I just find it exciting. I am Modoc and I am built for this. And it's just fucking ridiculous shit. It's awesome. Modoc is, uh, like, he somehow continues to luck in to doing the right thing as far as impressing Angela is concerned. I am sure this book, I think, has one or two more issues. It's not going to go well for him. I imagine he's going to end up dead at the end, and that's going to make me sad because he's a fun character. You know why Modoc's stupid? Because on the <laughs> fucking cartoon, he's played by SpongeBob. No. SpongeBob and Modoc are the same person. Sp Pretty much, Sponge yeah. Doc, Modoc, Pants, fuck you, stupid <laughs> fucking flying head shit fuck. <laughs> but yeah, like when when I read this book, I have that voice in my head and that voice talking shit and saying that he's like the baddest motherfucker on the planet is really funny. Oh, I can imagine he's comic relief. He is not a intimidating yeah. character, though. Uh, two more books here from Secret Wars this week. Uh, Marvel Zombies. Uh, no, not good. The only fun part, again, was Deadpool. Uh, Deadpool, because he regenerates. The zombies referred to Deadpool as the Evermeat. Mm. Uh, because they, they cut off a slice of his brain every day. And it grows back. That's it. That's, that's the best part of this book. It's got Elsa Bloodstone in it. Elsa Bloodstone was kind of a forgotten character. Uh, she will go back to being a forgotten character after this series is over. Not that she's a bad character but they just haven't done anything to make you care. There is a little bald girl that is immune to the zombie virus, 
and Elsa Bloodstone's dad shows up at the end of the book, and it's like, oh, I should care about this, but I don't fucking care. So you can skip Marvel Zombies. Last Marvel book this week was Old Man Logan number four, uh, written by Bendis. This book is fucking awesome. Old Man Logan was a great storyline when it was originally done. This one has been really cool. This is the version we've already seen in the previews of stuff that's coming out once Secret Wars is done. Old Man Logan will be coming into the Marvel Universe proper. So your Wolverine replacement is actually just an alternate reality Wolverine. He is going around from... Excuse me. He is going around from uh, place to place, so battle world to battle world kind of places, and is starting to piece together that the world is not what they thought it was. He's starting to realize as he's going through, uh, because this also takes place in the beginning of the story, he is in the zombie world. So he's starting to figure out that, hey, I've seen some of these people before, and how could they be here and other places as well? He meets uh, She-Hulk in this issue. They partner up. They fight some zombies for a little bit. Wolverine uh, questions, you know, what's going on. They kind of formulate a plan to try and get out of the zombie world, out of the wastelands. The wastelands are on the outside of the shield, which is the giant wall that they've put up around all of these patchwork places. They have... She-Hulk has said that she has tried to jump up to the top of it. She can't get high enough, but she thinks that if she jumps high enough and then throws Wolverine, she will be able to get him out of there. And indeed she does. As they are chased by zombies, She-Hulk gets bit, and as she is as she is dying, she jumps a few times and throws Wolverine. He ends up in a in some sort of city. I'm not sure which one it's going to be. Uh, it's just, it's a big metropolis, you know, looking city. He's, it's obviously a version of New York. He is standing in front of the Daily Bugle building, but no one has any idea which, uh, which one it's going to be. It's a cool series. The artwork by Andrea Sorrentino is, is fucking stellar. It's really, really great artwork. And it's written by Bendis. The guy, while he's not always great, is never bad. Questions, right? two of them. Okay. Is he four feet tall in this book? No. Does he say bubble a lot? No, I didn't say fucking bubble. This once. isn't the Wolverine I want then. Oh. <laughs> God damn it. Give me back little Bub Sam Wolverine. That's what I want. I want the one from the 90s cartoon. Just Bub. Hey, Bub. Bubbity Bub Bub. Bubbity Bub Bub Bub. No, that is not him. Um, It's a good book, though. Like th- this one I r- would recommend picking up. So, Out of Secret Wars this week. Uh, there was no official book or no no main book, no battle world book. So, Old Man Logan, Modoc Assassin, uh, Hank Johnson, without a doubt. And if you wanted to grab one or two more, Civil War number three, Captain Marvel and the Carol Corps, those were really good. The last book I read though this week was a new number one from uh, Dark Horse Comics. I bought it because it looked ridiculous, uh, or I picked it up, you know, like looking at the cover. It is called Zodiac Star Force, mm. and it is pretty much like, it's Sailor Moon, okay? No, I did Sailor it's, Moon last week. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much Sailor Moon. Like, there's a group of four girls, they are a team, 
and they are based on signs of the zodiac. They have this astral Astra is her name. Uh, this astral projection that is kind of the uh, the de facto leader of their team, like very much in a Power Rangers Zordon, uh, Zordon right. kind of way. Uh, so it's got some elements of that in there. It's all very magical based. The cool thing about this book was that when it starts, it is like the team has already broken up. So they have already had their origin story and they have already, you know, beaten the big bad person and the team has broken up and a couple of them are trying to put the team back together. One of the girls is at a library. She is studying and she gets attacked by this giant fucking monster. Like it looks like a big smoke monster kind of thing. Uh, it attacks her. She transforms into her, her Zodiac star force character and Sorry that I don't remember the names, but I read a lot of shit this morning. And, uh, like, she starts fighting. One of her friends catches her outside. And uh, she's like, oh, shit, a monster. Fuck yeah, I've been waiting for this. She turns into her thing. They start fighting the monster. They kill her. They kill the monster. They end up going to a party that night and uh, trying to talk to the other people that were part of their team. Uh, the other people have no interest in, in coming back to the team, they're like, look, we fucking, we won. We beat the bad guy. It's done. It's over. Whatever. And uh, the 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 mean girls show up. The, uh, the, you know, pretty popular bitchy set of friends show up. And as the, the leader of the mean girls, her name is, uh, I think it's Diana. Uh, she touches the main character and she gets all like fucking freaked out and like passes out and whatever, so the the Zodiac Star Force team carries their friend over to to Astra, and they try to figure out what's going on. And Astra's like, "Nope, you've uh, you've been poisoned by uh, by dark magic, and uh, you're gonna die." Oh, that sucks. And that's where the book ends. And they're like, "Well, what the fuck is you can't we can't just show up and be like, hey, our friend's sick, can you help her?'" And you're just like, "Nope, she's fucked." Right, and that's that's where the dark that or the 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 dark energy from Nephros has infected her, and Emma, the main character, is going to die. And the book says uh, to be continued. So I dug it. I thought it was a cool book. It's uh, it's an all ages book. It's definitely something that you know younger kids could read. Like it's something that I could I could share with my kids, and they might dig it. Um, you know, it's it's not. It's not too violent or too scary for, you know, like six and seven year olds. There's enough stuff in there for older readers as well. The The artwork was really good. The coloring was like, it's a really brightly colored book. It looks really good. The The writing was cool. Uh, really the only, you know, the only issue that I have in the back, it, and, and it's just more of a personal thing for me, but there's an interview in the back of this book with uh, the MarySue.com and... You know, not to piss anybody off, but the marysue.com can go pound sand with their uh, feminazi bullshit. And I don't think something like that necessarily needs to be included in a book like this. You know what I mean? It's just, it's one of those things that I think they could have accomplished getting the message of their book out with a letters page, as opposed to like, hey, look, we're on this progressively minded website when... The Mary Sue dot. It might have seemed like a good idea a couple months ago when they were putting the book together, but in the last like two months, the Mary Sue has come under fire for 
for some um, pretty hateful and ridiculous shit that they have put out on their site. So it might end up being something that does more harm than good. So I really just at the end of the day, if you're a uh, if you're a budding comic book creator out there, uh, just do a letters page in the back of your book or just a just a hey, we're the creators and this is what our book's about. Because that's all this interview does. It it accomplishes uh, nothing other than letting us know that the creators were fans of Buffy and uh, and fucking Sailor Moon, you know. So I read, I see this though, and I'm like, oh fuck, I don't know if I want to support you, you know what I mean, or even mention it because I don't care for that site. So just a thing. It was a cool book though. I think it'll be. Uh, I think it'll be something that that'll run for a decent amount of time and, and will read pretty well in a trade. It was a pretty cool book. Zodiac star force, dark horse comics. Every now and again, they hit on some good shit. So that's what I got. Sounds good. It was a big fucking week. Sounds sexy, Dan. That was a lot of books. I can't believe you read them in a day. Yep. Read them this morning. I'm sorry. meant to read shit during the week didn't get to it woke up at seven o'clock and went oh shit i haven't read anything yet and it's sunday did uh did x-force 92 come out this week or was that a week prior uh it definitely came out last week i didn't see it this week but i haven't checked recently i might have missed it sorry well fuck it Fuck X Men or X Force or X Men Force or Force Men. Yeah, it was it was X Men ninety two, but it was they literally they hung a a rag over the men and put Force like in Sharpie. Oh, yeah, Marvel, you you I've kidders! I've liked that book, you know, for what it was. It's it's been a fun digital book. Like it's been one of the few books that has taken advantage of like the purely digital format because oh, yeah? it is a it is a solely you know, digital book and it comes out with like when you click to turn the page, like panels pop up and animation, like very rudimentary animation happens. It's pretty cool. I dig it. Really? I have a paper copy right here. I have not seen the paper copy. Well, the digital version is way cooler. Oh, that's, I wish I had that. (laughs) Well, next time, Matt, go digital. Next time, you know. Digital is the future. It is. They're, we're going to have microchips where we can read comic books. I'm going to put one in my butt cheek. How are you going to read it? I'm going to clap my butt cheeks together and it'll turn the page. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's how I do it now. It's <laughs> fabulous. Anyway, on that note, let's toss it back over to the announcer guy for a second. We'll be right back. Thank you, Dan! Attention listeners, did you know the Geek Aid crew are real people you can get in touch with? Did you also know you can keep track of what comes out on the fabulous Geek Aid website without even visiting it? Did you know that Dean irons his vest every hour on the hour to be prepared for anything? Wait, really? Well, you can keep in touch with Geek Aid by following them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, and more. If that's not enough, you can also send them an email at mail at geekaid.com. Be sure to check out the show notes to get all the links and more information on today's episode. Back to you, Dan! Thanks again, announcer guy. That's going to do it for issue 50 of the Paper Cuts podcast. You can get in contact with us. Dean, where are you on Twitter? Uh, kimono underscore Vestlord. Kimono under, at Kimono underscore Vestlord. Matt, what about you? Where are you on Twitter? I'm at Stuff Y. That's the word Y, not just the letter Y. Stuff Y, at mm-hmm. Stuff Y. 
And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram if you want to see pictures of beer, uh, which are awesome pictures of beer, I might add. I had, by the way, just to throw this out there, Habanero Sculpin last night, way too hot. Fucking just burned the shit out of my I, mouth. I, I saw your little thing on Facebook about mm. it. Yeah. Um, Sounds not like for it would. Me. Not for me. But if you want to see pictures of the stupid shit that I drink, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at GeekAidDan. I would appreciate it. Just before we go, we haven't commented on it yet. I don't know, Dean, if you've seen the movie yet. Matt, I don't know if you've seen the movie yet. But I saw Fan Four Stick yesterday. Oh. Nope, not seeing Matt- it. Dean, mm-hmm. you haven't seen it. Matt, have you seen it? I thought about it, and then I just stayed home. Let me... Explain this too long. Let me sum up. Fuck that movie. So hard. All right. It was... It was worse than Howard the Duck. Wow. Strong words, Dan. Strong words. You sure you want to put that out there? Yep, I do. I do. Uh, put it this way. I own Howard the Duck, and I will not own Fantforstic. I looked at my wife as we were sitting there watching the movie. It was about an hour and 20 minutes into the movie, or about an hour and 15 minutes into the movie. This movie is an hour and a half long. And I, I turned to her and I said, honey, there's, there's 20 minutes left in this movie. And she goes, that's not enough fucking time to wrap all this shit up. Because they do nothing. It's an hour and 20 minutes of set up, 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 set up. Oh, look, here's Dr. Doom. We fought. We're done. Sequel. No, it's not going to happen. It was so... If anyone is still on the fence, if anyone has not seen that movie yet, and I know you out there in podcast land have not seen the movie yet because it didn't make any fucking money. If you were maybe waiting for the Blu-ray release, fucking don't. Go watch the Roger Corman one. Go find that shit on YouTube. It's the most entertaining Fantastic Four movie that's ever been made. The two that came out before it that were done by Tim Story, fucking those suck. This one was terrible. At least the Roger Corman one you can laugh with. These you just have to laugh at, and that's a problem. That's all I have to say about that. It's going to wrap it up. Please join us again next week where we talk about a whole shit ton more Secret Wars stuff. For Matt Much. Dean DeFalco and Dan Ryan. I'm Dan Ryan.